The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two fantastic co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Heininger. And this week, we are talking about uh, a game that uh, was suggested and acclaimed by our listeners on the Discord. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that they uh, continued to remind us that we should play mm-hmm. this because we I, I really had a great time with it. That is The Root Trees Are Dead. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting game. I think right in the wheelhouse of some people on this podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It is an Uh, Oprah Din-like in that it's it's a deductive game. Um, Would we call it a Din-like or an Obra-like? The tag in itch is Oprah Din. It's just a tag, Mm -hmm. like as if Mm -hmm. that's the genre name. Um, I think... I was talking to Justin, and we suggested like an insurance adjuster simulator, because <laughs> uh, it's the same thing of like let's let's verify the evidence. <laughs> it is funny that I hadn't thought about that. That like the two, I you know, two of the bigger games in this genre, and sort of the founding of it. It is just like piecing together paperwork for uh, for insurance, basically, or for uh, like very bureaucratic reasons. You, you would think there would be it'd be like why not a interesting cool detective but i, I like this uh i like we're putting together family trees and we're we're putting together insurance claims and things like that the onus of this is basically a person comes to your house says i think you're good at this would you here's a test case yeah. can you do research and then jokes says, on you i suck yeah and then then later on is like actually i have like 44 i think people to fill in on this family tree yeah. uh keep you know same like over den every three people later four uh that you fill out entirely they lock in um and confirm but it really is truly sift through the internet the <laughs> fake internet in the game Spider-Net. and solve it <laughs> yeah i would i would connect to this as saying like this is sitting in a place that is somewhere in between, uh, you know, Obra Dinn and her story because yeah. it's doing, 1998 as well. Yes, yes, yes. And so you're doing that sort of like researching uh, via a fake internet. Um, there's actually several different types of research you can do in this. I think that's pretty cool. Collecting mm-hmm. um, photos and uh, excerpts from books and articles and web pages and other materials, uh, and using all the information that you find there uh, as sort of piecemeal as it is to assemble really just an absolute massive family tree with just an absolutely huge amount of information about, uh, you know, people from multiple generations of this truly messed up family. Um, That said, it's huge, but I think Reagan and I together playing this six hours. 
a little more? Uh, yeah, I think about, yeah, we, we played it over three nights and really no more than a couple of hours per session. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can definitely say that of the games like this I have played, um, you know, things like Oberdin and and the Golden Idol and, um, I mean, Chance of Sonar kind of tangentially um, and things in this sort of wheelhouse, this is one of the harder ones. I think this is harder than Oberdin. Personally. Oh, what do you think, Laura? I thought Oberdin was harder, but I think that's because Oberdin required more observation, and this was more. Uh, I already have skills to make logic leaps from text. I've got those from books and mystery novels and detective stories, whereas Oberdin was looking at visual clues only. Um, so I found that's a good Oberdin that, harder. That because... might be more. That might be why I had a harder time with it. Something about maybe it's my ADHD brain, but like something about being presented with, well, here are six articles to read, and then you know having to sift through that for relevant. You're a skimmer. Details. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it was yeah. quite a bit harder uh, for me, and uh, and also I found like its interface for tracking information was a little less elegant than the mm-hmm. one in Oberdin, which is really just a master design triumph. But it's uh, it, overall, I think they're in they're in the same territory. So if you enjoyed Oberdin, uh, then I think this is absolutely going to be something that you can complete and is really worth you know going that extra mile to do it. Yeah, Golden Idol, uh, Curse the Golden Idol is much lighter to me. Quite a bit easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. quite a bit. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the setup here. Laura kind of mentioned it, but here's the summary from Itch, which I think is a, is a pretty good uh, introduction to the game if you haven't missed it. Um, the year is 1998. A private jet belonging to the Root Tree Corporation has crashed. On it were the Root Tree sisters and their parents. Combined, they were worth over a billion dollars. Now, due to the eccentricities of their great-great-grandfather Elias, their money must be redistributed to the rest of the family. But who's actually a blood relative? Blood, blood relative is always relative. capitalized in this game. <laughs> a blood relative. Blood relative. <laughs> That's where you come in. Armed only with the power of your mighty dial-up modem, you'll scour for photos, books, articles, and other evidence. Then you'll make connections and deductions based on the family relationships you uncover. With every spot on the tree you fill in correctly, the names and photos left in your possession will have fewer and fewer places to go, but the evidence will also be harder and more obscure to find. Can you find the final pieces of the puzzle? That's a really good description of the game and also the sort of overall arc of playing it, which is about starting with this massive amount of information and, of course, starting with some details that are very easy to fill in. The three root yeah. tree sisters are dead. Like the, the, there's a, light, a nice little microcosm at the very beginning of the game. Um, among the people that died in the plane crash that is one of the inciting incidents of the game were the three root tree sisters. And you have a picture that is unlabeled of all three root tree sisters. And so as a sort of example of the kinds of deduction you'll be having to make, one of the very first things it does to teach you the game is here are the three root tree sisters. We have a picture of all three of them without name tags. We know we have to find all three of their names in various different sources like articles and so on. Um, and search the web for things like fan pages about them to figure out what they did, what each of them did for a living um, and be able to identify which of the three sisters in the photo is which, what their birth order was so you can place them correctly on the, uh, uh, on the chart. Um, 
And also, yeah, you know, for each person, in order to be able to sort of fully say you filled in a person, you have to have their photo, any photo, if you have multiples, you can use any one, their name, and their occupation. And once you have all three of those, because the Root Tree sisters are, are, are three sisters, if you fill in all three, you get a nice little booyah. Well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> That's uh, a booyah. It says booyah. On, At the end, says, the conclusion. Well done and then booyah. You booyah. Love a booyah. There. And, yeah. uh, and, and it locks those into place and removes all of that evidence from your overall pool so that you don't you know, get confused later on. So that's the overall sort of workflow here. And there are a few order of operations things that are uh, nice once you get the hang of it of you also have a lot of uh, anybody who's not a direct descendant blood relative, mostly everybody who marries into the family um, has is considered an optional name. You can put as many of those in as you want. And but the second you get those three, all optional names you've put in, all optional photos lock in at once. So it can behoove you to be a little uh, happy with the guessing on the optional names, just in case you hit the third person and you lock in. So it's a, a unlike Oprah Den, where um, there was a um, you, you were. I was a little scared to put uncertain information in mm, early in the game in Oberden. Yeah. This one, especially for the non-blood relatives, because there was such a difference in uh, the, I guess, the risk I was taking when I put it. Yeah. I guessed heavily on, blo- on non-blood relatives to reduce the pool early um, just because I could. And yeah, it, was, it it's like a crossword, favor. unlike a crossword. Where, like if you put in a word and it turns out to be wrong, it can completely screw over your thought process for for quite a while as you try to cram things to fit into it. Um, but yeah, this is a little more forgiving. So before we go m- too much farther, there's just a couple little things about this game that I want to mention up top um, because mm-hmm. you know I think if you're this is an unconventional game in a number of different ways. Um, you know, it's exciting to see a new game in this sort of micro genre that we've we've come to really enjoy this sort of Oberdin like. Um, but this is a weird one. There's a couple things about it that that um, were surprising when folks started first suggesting this game to me. The first thing it did, of course, was go and search for it on Steam, and you will not find this game on Steam, and really for two reasons. Uh, one is that uh, right now the uh, developer uh, makes it available only on their itch.io page. We'll have a link in, in browser. The show notes. And so, yes, you can play it in browser. And there is no download link on the itch.io page. Um, I will, uh, there's, there's a good reason, I think, for the way he's chosen to distribute this. Um, but one fact here is that if you want to play this as a Windows download, it is something that you can do, but you have to ask the developer and he will personally, I assume it's a he actually, I, that, I may not be right about that. I don't actually know. Um, Jay Johnson game, Johnston Games um, has a Discord. You can go and ask and they will send you a, uh, a link to a Windows download if you want. Uh, and that is what we played using because I'm always terrified about uh, itch.io browser games and their game save functionality i'm always worried i'm gonna lose i played in the browser uh, yolo but i also knew that i was playing with reagan so yeah. there was i played um, in the browser oh and had no problems okay no that's problems good to know I, i'm glad it closed out, out the browser time. accidentally one time like and i, I, I feel like on i an off vpn like i did yeah. a lot of stuff on the browser at i feel like i gave it at least a, a like you know your mileage may vary if you accidentally clear your cache or whatever like can't can't help yeah. you there but just standard usage i played it over multiple days um, and I never had any problems. So I think That's it's great. probably good. I, I I can't imagine you would release 
this game as a browser game without having done the work to make it at least work for most people. I imagine that you could accidentally reset everything, um, yeah, which would be I, very disappointing. I didn't so, want to risk it. I, I yeah. like having a you know a download and being able to yeah. like go and crawl and find my save file and what have you. But that is a possibility, but it's definitely not sort of the intended play for this game. This is mm-hmm. meant, you know, he's distributed this first and foremost as a browser game on itch.io. And this is something we'll probably talk a little bit more about towards the end of the episode, but it seems like the main reason that he's chosen this option for distributing this game for free on itch exclusively is that this game uh, relies really entirely on AI generated art. Um, and there's a whole conversation to have about that as an idea. There are certain folks for whom that is an absolute showstopper and fair enough. We'll talk about that later. Um, but um, this is a solo developer making a game that has, uh, it is primarily a text-based thing you're you know you're, most of what you're doing is exploring uh detail and information and clues found in the text of articles and books and other things like that but there are a lot of pictures of the people you know pictures that we have to place onto the uh onto the um uh the 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 family tree and so on uh newspaper article clippings uh you know advertisements all sorts of other printed materials and and images from the web and all of those are created using AI art. Um, I'm not sure a single developer would have really been able to create this piece of work all on their own without AI art. Or maybe they would, you know, or maybe they should have gotten an illustrator. We'll have this whole conversation. What, you know, <laughs> wh- whether this was the right thing to do for this game or not. Uh, mostly, I think the game looks pretty good uh, visually. Yeah. I think the AI art didn't. You know, it didn't it didn't totally like raise my hackles in the way that some AI art does. Um, it, there were some with some really exceptions. Oh yeah, the the characters I referred to as the creepy baby and um, mm-hmm. the that very terrifying portrait of the f- four blonde women mm. um, aside, yeah. most of the AI art is fine. It's fine. It's fine. But it's also not going to win any awards. You know, it's it's uh, it's just. But but if you're if the goal and it clearly was here was to to create photorealistic sort of custom order pictures of hundreds of people, mm-hmm. um, that's a hard thing to do by hand or with actual photography. Like imagine having to get having to like cast the entire game and then go and take actual photos of these people. It would have been uh, a huge undertaking. Um, so having you know photorealistic art in this game. Um, potentially added something to it and was done entirely via AI art here. Um, we'll have a more extensive conversation about our thoughts on that aspect of the game, probably towards the end. Yeah. But I will say I was pretty adamant that um, most of the articles about this game have over to me overstated the impact of the AI art. Cause this is mostly text. Um, the mm, photos yeah. are part of the story, but um, it, if you are reading the, articles online about this and the discussion online about this, you will think this is a art centric game and it's a tech centric game. The one exception to that is there was a, a really good review of this in um, uh, the onions AV club page. Mm. Um, I think at the end of last year uh, and uh, they, you know, did a great job of sort of talking about what makes this game special apart from the AI art and really just sort of come and talk about that towards the end. I think we can do the same here. Um, but yeah, challenge um, accepted. <laughs> all right. 
So I guess we've kind of already just very briefly set out like what is the workflow of of doing the thing in this game? What else is there to say about the just sort of the mechanics of like I think might be worth talking about how you do the research in this. There's lots of different types of research you could do. You're you're mostly working via your like 90s computer, yeah. fake internet. Um, but there's things like periodicals and books and other stuff like that. Let's talk a little bit about how uh, research works in this. Well, it's you mentioned her story, which at this point, how old is her story? I I don't know that we can guarantee all of our listeners have played that game, but if you have not, we would I think that's a high, high, high recommendation from from the short game to go check out her story. But you've got a little uh, your on your screen. You've got a twenty fifteen. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, so we had a you 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 have a a computer like a little. 1990s looking uh, PC in the bottom right corner of your screen that you can click on and it pops up what I, I believe is called SpiderNet, right? Mm. Or something like that. Spider yeah. Search. Yeah. Spider Search. Yeah. Great little, it's got great little like 90s looking art and you can type in whatever, uh, uh, you know, search keywords you want and it's going to pull up it's almost like a narratively internet search. Like it, it doesn't necessarily pull up um, just straight up and down articles though. It will sometimes it'll also like give you a summary of the types of internet searches of the results from your internet search. So if you, if you search for like, um, you know, uh, Gwyn root tree, it'll be like, you found a number of articles about Gwen Rootree. They say this, this, and this about her. There's a, a, a long article about her book that she was that she published on XYZ, et cetera. Like it's like a summary of all the different things that you may find. I really preferred that. I think that, I thought that was a really good way of doing yeah. things because mm -hmm. it does let you kind of like get the feeling of having poured like, you know, oh, well, you know, we searched for Gwen Rutri. We came to you found a page with, you know, fan theories about her life or whatever. And right. uh, like it gives you the feeling of, OK, well, I found a Web page, but the the. First of all, the developer didn't have to go to the extent of actually creating that entire Web page. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um but also you kind of get this, you, you get, it, it, it almost never returns anything that's more than like two paragraphs long. There's almost yeah. never any scrolling when you do one of these pages. It's, it's a, it's pretty concise and you get like, um, and, and it will have quotes. So it'll say, you know, Hey, you found an article that says this, and then it'll have like, you know, two or three paragraph quote from whatever's relevant if it, if it wants to. But I really liked that about it. It didn't, it didn't overwhelm you with text when it wasn't necessary. I think what I really dug about the sleuthing research interface is that when you hit something important that you need to mine for multiple bits of information, it will say, you downloaded an article, you got a picture, you found a record, and it will save those as separate files. Mm -hmm. So when you're doing this kind of web sleuthing, you can trust that you might get one or two things from a web page, but mostly what you're getting is new things to search, new things to new avenues to look down. So you can comfortably jot down like her husband's name is Brian, but also like eight terms to search because what you're really hoping to hit are those kind of deeper articles and things. So I liked that signaling that 
you can web search and get a lot like little bits of information, but you're going to maybe solve two people per anything you need to sit with long term or that you can't immediately use. You're going to have downloaded, you can access later safely. So I dug that differentiation of information. I knew if something was saved, um, I needed to use it. And what they really double down on is there's a little magnifying glass telling you how many clues per item you haven't used yet. So if I downloaded something, such a clever feature. Yeah. If I downloaded yeah. something and it said zero, I was like, oh, this is just, I've already used it. This is just good flavor text. I should read this and move on with my life. I don't need it to solve the clues. But if it said six, I was like, oh, I need to dig into this. There's yeah. clues here. I it was used. so funny with some of them. It's like, you know, things that didn't seem consequential at all mm -hmm. would have this really large number. And so it's supposed to indicate like your intuition as a researcher about how much, you know, there was to, to glean from a particular piece of information. And sometimes it'd be like, here's a pop song that one of them recorded and it would have a number like six or eight or something. And it's like, well, how on earth am I supposed to gain like six or eight clues out of this random pop song? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll falsify here so I don't spoil anything, but it would be things like, okay, pour through the liner notes and find, you know, a connection with a particular person. Search that person. They wrote a book. Search within that book. That finds you something else. And it will always, but it would, it would kind of tell you like, hey, this may seem like a little bit of fluff. Uh, there were bits of fluff, but, but, you know, it would kind of, yeah subtle not too subtly tell you like hey there's there's something to dig for here and i really really liked that the, the game is simultaneously wildly overwhelming and also very patient and hand-holding because like when you <laughs> when you get past that opening you like you were talking about you you basically solve for the three root tree sisters which um is is a very good tutorial to how the sort of the base system is mm -hmm. going to work you you do solve one little sort of puzzle, you know, that I think you can solve relatively quickly. Of course, your mileage may vary on all of these things, but like it's not particularly complicated. And then the game opens up and you see the full um, the the full family tree that you are solving for. And it just seems impossible. Like mm -hmm. it's so large and there's so many people and, you know, you're basically going to have to fill out this whole thing in order to complete the game. And like, I could understand why someone might go just immediately like, Nope. <laughs> like, yeah. This, like over say, again, you sort me. of walk, you, you, you walk through it. You sort of unveil the mystery as you're, you don't have pages. Yeah. You're, you're exploring it. This is just like, blop. Here's this huge ass family tree and you're going to have to solve this. But when you do, slow down and take it bit by bit and and take good notes there is a little notepad in the game which is great um and you take good notes it will sort of guide you in the direction that you need to go to some degree you still have to do a lot of logical jumps and you have to be able to put it together but it's not just like completely here you go you're on your own good luck another tip for people um it will give you a lot of times a date and an age and a thing, and you're going to think you need to do math and figure out how old everybody is. It. I was like, oh, you need to be X age to do this, and so I need to figure out how many people on the board are of this. None of that. Dude, yeah. if you start subtracting years um, and it's not to figure out which sibling is older than the other, stop. 
I definitely was like, okay, World War World War Two started in, X, you know, and, yeah. You think you need to do that because that's what other yeah. games have taught you, and I'm just like, yeah. it, it's a backup so that if you don't know what generation someone belongs well, they're to. They're a little old to have been drafted into World War II, but if they joined the military in the 20s, you could see maybe they would still, yeah, it was like doing all that sort of nonsense. Yeah, and and also the game doesn't tell you. So I was convinced that this mattered in the end game. So even though the game kept not using this information, I kept writing it down. And I'm just absolving as someone who 100%ed this, do not do that. <laughs> it's yeah. a waste of your time. I'm glad you were doing it and not me. because You I was weren't, like, do- you weren't doing it, it but I was convinced <laughs> <laughs> this mattered. We, we need to address hurt. that real quick. We, we flew by- past that. You, yeah. The two of you played this together on stream in our in our discord which Mm -hmm. i hopped in for a minute i know we had some listeners hopping in and out and really sort of going through it with you which uh i think was really really cool do you want to talk about sort of your experience with that i think they had beaten this game also (laughs) so they were watching us struggle things they had solved which was yeah yeah that was kind of fun (laughs) which is very fun i'm glad we did it this way because first of all like I, I booted up this game for the first time, played through the initial like Root Tree Sisters thing, hit that screen of like, holy shit, look at the size of this family tree and was immediately like, Laura, help me. <laughs> um, and so I'm really glad that we played it through this way. We did the same thing with Obra Dinn and with uh, Golden Idol. And this has become one of my favorite things to do. Like, I don't, uh, I don't think I could convince my wife to sit down and play eight hours of a of a research simulator with me. Uh, I don't have that, you know, built in support network. Um, but being able to reach out to Laura and play this remotely over stream, this is an ideal game to do that kind of thing with. Mm-hmm. Even if it's with, you know, just a, a, a an online friend and you just set up a Zoom call or something. In this case, we did it. Uh, this is the first time we've done it using Discord's built-in streaming, which was a nice uh, feature because we were able to also have folks from our community drop in. Um, and honestly, like it was, it was a good experience, and I will one hundred percent do it again. So, if the community has any suggestions for games that we should play in this way, you know, any group of us, uh, you know, you, me, uh, Nate, Shane, you know, playing together on a stream like this, uh, I'd. I'd be absolutely happy to do this again uh, with future games. And I, th- I think that puzzle games like this are especially well suited to it because like, you know, Laura was, was able to, to really carry me here. <laughs> I, really yeah. well, I also it. was able to, I'd started before you. So at the beginning mm-hmm. we were catching up and then um, playing simultaneously. And I had my own copy of the game open other tabs. So sometimes we were able to split, like you're going to, we got five terms to search and we don't know if any of them are going to yield results. So I'll search in my tab, you search in yours. And so it, it did a little bit of that. Um, it felt like doing a real, like those actual things in movies where everyone's kind of doing research together. Like that's what mm-hmm. it felt like. Um, I think part we of the reason that- to keep it in sync. I think part of the reason that this sort of thing works so well like this, you know, with multiple people, multiple eyes on it is just that it also made me slow down and like talk through things. I'm a skimmer and I can miss important details in text if I'm just sort of like skimming my way through, you know, an article or whatever, doing it like this playing together on stream. I was, you know, reading things out loud. I was taking time to say like, Hey, who is this again? To, to Laura, and of course she knew, because uh, she always mm-hmm. knew. Uh, it was really just like, it was, it was like having an outboard brain 
Uh, and also it gave good me short -term like, a good memory. reason to slow down and, uh, and make sure I was like getting everything out of the, the clues that I might otherwise have missed. I mean, that's a, uh, the, the skills when the, people talk about um, people who run escape rooms, talk about who does that kind of thing together. Well, they're like, it's people who talk aloud to each other. Mm -hmm. And don't put stuff in their pockets. And I think the virtual version of this is like, if you said, if you saw something interesting, you wouldn't just write it in your notes. You would say, I'm taking a note on this or be like, that mm -hmm. word is cool. Um, like outwardly observing. And that also helped me. I would talk through my logic before. Like, I wouldn't just be like, oh, that name is Jonas. I'm not going to tell you why. There's no time. Like We had all mm -hmm. the time in the world. And it was kind of nice to also double check your logic that way because you would you would be able to confirm that I was on the right track or you'd say oh no you got the names mixed up Gwen and Gwendolyn are different people <laughs> yeah um, yeah stuff like that was really useful being able to bounce things off each other like that and Nate you played with Molly right yeah I played with Molly we did not do it on stream um and she's just like I I think it was a similar dynamic of uh you and Reagan as me and Molly where I'm like well, hold on, wait a second. Wasn't he born? And Molly's like, no, da 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 da, da. you know, just like <laughs> flying through this uh through this family tree because she's just way better at this type of game than I am. Um, but either way, I mean it made it more fun just being able to talk these things out loud. I hadn't thought about escape rooms, something that her and I have done a bunch and and we really enjoy. So it is it is sort of similar in that way. It just it helps you process information. Better. Yeah, I was going to say that this felt more like an escape room than any Agreed. like Ob Obradin or other games yeah. like that. Partly because of the sort of physicality of like sifting through the mm -hmm. the like documents and whatnot. It, but yeah, just something about it. It felt very much like like a digital version of an escape room. Yeah. It um, did. I got I got this piece of information, and then eighteen things happen. It unlocks this. Like it, yeah. it physically, like the they they. There is a nice um, tactile element to this game. And, and just the way information drips and drabs feels like an escape room where you sometimes have too much information. You put it together, you reach a uh, like a gate, and then suddenly you have a lot of things. It's funny, the gates here are basically a new book. <laughs> like yeah. you'd, you'd get enough information put together that you got a new book and suddenly you'd have a whole horde of information that felt very much like moving to a new room or something like that. I think even if I wasn't talking aloud, it would have an escape room vibe. Yeah, I think you're right. But before we move totally off of talking about sort of the, the research aspect of this game, I wanted to say I really appreciated that it did a good job of sort of tying together I guess mostly three distinct types of research in a pretty consistent interface here, but it still sort of felt like you were exploring a lot of different types of stuff. So, you know, you got your 90s computer. As you go through the game, you uh, learn about three different resources, three different websites, essentially, that you can go to there. You start off with spider search, and it sticks a little spidersearch.com sticky note at the bottom of your CRT monitor, which you can click on to return to that page anytime. But then you also get little sticky notes for a library card catalog style search, as well as a periodical search. And that was really cool. But what I liked about that especially was that like, obviously, 90s internet was very limited. Like, not everything was posted online. It's not like today where you can, like, search for something and you're basically searching the full text of everything ever. Uh, you know, here, your, your your web search was really just searching 
old school websites. And if you wanted to search information that could be found in, for example, the newspaper, that didn't exist online. So you needed to know the name of the specific newspaper that you wanted to search and a search term. And in many cases, you couldn't do general searches. You had to narrow things down. So just like with the with the search engine, like, you know, if you search for like root tree, it would be like, there's a lot of web pages about the root trees. Um, you know, you could search for, search, you know, you could search the Butler County Times uh, for the word root tree. And it would say, well, there's been a lot of advertisements for root tree candies, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, you're not going to find anything. But if you get a specific enough search, you it would return a specific uh you know, periodical article or a specific book and give you a summary. And in many cases, then it would add materials to your uh, your saved stuff, your your little folders of, of materials. Um, and I really liked the sort of like, like, I think the thing that I liked best about this was like having to specifically like discovering the name of a new periodical felt like an ex- like a huge thing. Like we kept seeing things like uh, mentioning tabloids, for example, but we didn't know the names of any specific tabloids that we Mm -hmm. could search. And then as soon as you find the name of like a tabloid, be like, oh, now I can search for all of these things in this tabloid that I didn't know the name of previously. Or when you find that someone wrote a book, you get the specific title of that book and the author's name. And ah, suddenly I can go to the web or to the uh, to the library search and search for that. And it felt like this other type of discovery that uh, was always really exciting. Finding like especially finding a new periodical was always huge because then you could you could do tons of searches in a new periodical. I really liked that aspect of it. It was like sort of like uncovering new ways to research as you went. And it was very funny to sometimes be like, oh, great, a teeny bopper magazine with articles about like heartthrobs. This is going to be super fun You're to read. You're so excited. And and I love that uh, the when you open up a periodical and you do a search, if you don't have any hits, they kind of give you a hint at what the articles would be. Like, judging from this, there's a lot of information about dogs. <laughs> and they're like, yeah. oh, I got to search dogs. Like, it it, yeah. it, it doesn't give you search terms, but you have enough, if you have enough um, Rolodex of information about the family, you can guess some stuff to start with, which is really nice. The only one that needs exact terms is the library where you look up the, you have to must have a full exact title and an author to get anything out of that one. But periodicals, pretty uh, squishy. I like a, I like an option like this, the spider search, most squishy, less squishy for periodicals, Mm -hmm. incredibly tight library. Mm-hmm. I will say that occasionally, and this mainly really only sort of reared its head very close to the end of the game, um, it started really requiring to use very particular search terms um, in order to find things in ways that almost felt a little bit a little bit too much. Things like like somebody uh, searching for a particular person's name, you know, they would have different variations of their name, like a nickname or that sort of thing, and you need to search a very particular version of it to find something very important. Towards the very end of the game, um, there were some moments that were pretty demanding in that way, um, and where we ran into a wall with something, and our our listeners hanging out in the chat were able to shortcut us past it by saying, <laughs> hey, to, to try this other variation of that name. You know, where we just, you know, you, you don't, you, when you're going in and searching things, you don't always think like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm, I tried this. Did I try every version of this? Mm-hmm. And you, you can miss stuff and, and not realize that you have, you know, you're, you're, you were barking up the right tree, but not, I don't know, with the right it's bark. It's pretty lenient, but for some of the optional things you're digging in, it gets yeah. way stricter. So I mm-hmm. would suggest, especially if you're doing some, 
uh, investigating some legal information, you should try a lot of variants because um, almost every other time you can put uh, one type of name in and it will give you that it'll have that cinema synonym ring linked up in the search engine yeah. and it will give you information. If you're doing side quests, like if you're just going on rabbit holes for your own information, it's going to be much tighter. Yeah. And what Laura is referring to as side quests, there are, uh, there are elements of this, you know, that there's sort of a core mystery that we're investigating, which ultimately is like figuring out the blood relatives and, um, and, you know, who's related to Elias root tree in yeah. what way. There's a, uh, white bordered box and they tell you at the end of the game you must type two names in this box and yes. uh, you will everything, not everything know what that the means main, at the beginning main thread builds up to that yeah. there Over are time, things however that are like yeah. you know knowing whose people's spouses are totally optional you know it helps well, a lot it's also it's like totally it's not just knowing whose people's spouses are it's knowing the dirt behind people's backstories because you're like I want to know what Luann did to the farmer's <laughs> daughter like you, yeah. There's stuff like that that has nothing to do with the plot that you're going to want to investigate. And that's the stuff that the search engine and the library and the periodicals need more precise information because mm -hmm. they want it to be harder to do the side yeah. stuff. You yeah. also have to collect those 10 wolf pelts, which is oh, a yeah. really complicated <laughs> side quest. Um, I forgot I, about that whole UI for the wolf pelts. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's where like, this game is a real feat of writing. You know, we've been talking about the mechanics and everything, but at the end of the day, this this game is quite a complicated accomplishment for in in writing. I mean, just keeping track of all of this and and doling out this family information in such a measured and interesting way, and 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 doing it in a way that where you actually are kind of like, ooh, what happened to that farmer's daughter? Like, I gotta dig in on that. Is really compelling and and really successful it, it's 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 uh I, I think a true work of art from a from a writing standpoint this is a puzzle game for people who like gossip <laughs> I, th yes. that's what this game is it's like can you search the internet and follow the gossip trail until you hit something real juicy like that's this game in a nutshell and it, it, it comes off as a drier mystery about corporate something but there's a lot of avenues to go down um and I'm impressed we've been able to talk about it this much without actually talking about the plot. So yeah, go us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a million tiny plots. Yeah, I think we've been trying not to spoil things. Um, I think we probably should have a very brief spoiler section at the end uh, if folks have time. But I think, you know, it, it's definitely uh, it's it's definitely interesting. One thing I'll say, I like the vibes were not what I was expecting mm -hmm. off the top. You know, I think when I first sat down to play The Root Trees Are Dead, I was expecting more of a murder mystery. I thought it would be a culty too. Mm, maybe, yeah, yeah. It has it has that sort of vibe, but it doesn't feel like, it's not, um, not, to, not to spoil anything about the actual like details of the story, um, but it is an interesting family mystery, right? Like it's the kind of thing that you might investigate in any wealthy family. Bad things happen to people, but I would not call this dark. I would mm -hmm. not call this bleak, and I would not call this spooky, which yeah. are all vibes I expected from the initial imagery. Um, yeah, and just the name, The Root Trees Are Dead, is mm -hmm. it sounds yeah, it's more darker than, than the game turns out to be. Yeah, almost always we're giving the opposite wording of like, there is cat murder in this game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is not... That so kind of game. Um, it's actually fairly clean, too. Like, mm -hmm. there are, um, it's, I think one of the tags is that this is um, 
I wouldn't say it's all ages appropriate because it's hard and there's, you know, can you read the internet and hear real stuff, but it's not, there isn't, um, you're at a distance from the content. You never have to read anything that's like sexually charged or violent. Like it's all like, it's at a remove. So it feels Mm. relatively clean for this type of game too. Yeah. And yeah, the mystery never, never results in like, oh, and they had a like, sex slave chain no it's it's not that kind of game yeah <laughs> yeah it's 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 not that kind of thing and and yeah it does have a remove in that like you are not one of the root trees like there's it is a family mystery there's like heated uh stuff going on between these root trees but you're just some guy right like you're mm-hmm. you're just somebody who happens to be good at google in 1998 yeah now if our listeners are looking for a game that ends in some sort of sex slave sort of situation uh reagan would you please pull from your life <laughs> and provide us with a, <laughs> with a list. Join our Discord. I'm sure we'll have something to stop. I, I, I do not have any sex slave games to recommend on this podcast, Nate. But if you do, was, don't write I, you know, in. Nothing, nothing like nothing truly um, like there's there's you know family drama, but nothing truly like uh, lurid happens in this. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, I think we've talked quite a while, but uh, we're, we're skirting around the conversation of having having a quick chat about like the the nature of the art here. Um, and we mentioned earlier, this is a, uh, a game that's dis- developed entirely using AI art. Um, and I guess, you know, it's worth just talking about our feelings about that and as they relate, because this is the first time I've ever played a game that made such a heavy use of AI art. I, you know, I, I have my sort of, thoughts about it but what does everybody think about this aspect of it well before we like get too far into this conversation i do want to remind both of you that this conversation will inevitably be absorbed into the ai Mm -hmm. um and may you know color its future feelings about the three of us so let's make sure we are careful and we remind everyone that we love the AI bot and everything else we say after this we love the basilisk (laughs) well nate lest you lest Lest you forget my my work slack that I spend my whole day on is completely foyable as are half <laughs> of my meetings. Yes. Any so. meeting that gets recorded for future use is considered foyable. So I am 100% all of my life is going to be in someone's AI bot because yeah. they're going to FOIA a bunch of government, boring government <laughs> meetings, and then my face is going to be everywhere. So That's great. Yeah. Yeah. That's my relationship to AI. <laughs> it never occurred to me that someone would be ingesting uh like foyable emails into their models but yeah that's oh, a, that's a sure great they're going oh, yeah. source of of uh of freely available public corporate content. emails yeah it's like yeah. the enron emails are the the core of the oh yeah, yeah there are some models yeah yeah so first of all i totally want to say like if you and i i, I totally understand and even totally agree with the argument that like AI art generally is not a good thing for art or artists. I think it is a it is now other folks might have a different different opinion. I, I think it's a fair thing. It's new enough that there's lots of different opinions here. Um, I think AI art, uh, you know, is uh, almost by necessity the way that these models work is sort of extractive, ignoring copyright, ignoring artist intent, slurping up large volumes of art into these models, and then using it as a basis to create 
you know, transformative works that are to one degree or other drawing on earlier art. And there's, you know, there's an argument for, you know, is AI art uh, creating something new or is it essentially just doing a like ultra complicated high resolution photo collage from the art that it has absorbed into its model? And to what degree is that you know, fair use, like listening to a song and humming it and then coming up with your own song that might be similar? Or is it uh, or is it literally, you know, copying and pasting somebody else's art in some form? Um, it's, I feel like it's to, to me perfectly, per- perfectly, honestly, I, I don't really have a dog in this fight to any great degree. I'm not an artist. I don't have really strongly held opinions about this. I feel at this point, like, I do think I look at what what's happening in the world of AI art and I find some of it pretty interesting and compelling. You know, I think it's pretty cool that, you know, I can type in uh, into a text prompt somewhere, create a photorealistic, uh, you know, banana with legs and it will create me a photorealistic banana with legs. And I think that's that's a I don't necessarily think it's something it's like a a. a, a a, a vital service for which we should necessarily upend the entire uh, information economy and uh, the 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 basis of of paying for art in our in our society. But like, I don't know. It is kind of neat, and, and so I think <laughs> in a sense, the artist here has the the creator here has has set a pretty good balance in that like they're using AI art in service of a game that they're giving away for free and that they, so, you know, there's, it takes a lot of what I consider the, like, you know, the, the more sticky arguments here out of the picture. This is a free game that's available, you know, to, for anyone to play on the web. And it's using fake photos rather than fake illustration. Which True. Feels a absolutely. Different. Although like, what's the distinction between a photo and an illustration in, in AI art? There isn't much of one. So I don't well, know. I, I, have, I think I've, there's, Mm. I don't want to diminish photographers, but I do think that the the photographic library has a lot of a larger amateur population than the professional artists who are getting put in illustration um, engines. Um, for me, I think I have a very um, i I have to have opinions about AI because, again, as a federal employee, Biden has recently signed an executive order that mm-hmm. says government needs to have opinions on AI. So I kind of legally like I. I'm obliged to think about this for my job, not in this aspect, but someone was like, Hey, Laura is, I need to know is AI crypto, which is a thing I can laugh at and ignore, or is it like social media, which is the thing I laughed at, but have to actually deal with. And I was like, Oh, it's social media. Like, Mm -hmm. sorry. Like it's, 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 um, I was like crypto, you can comfortably, like it's a huge part of a lot of people's lives, but you can opt out of crypto. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can future opt out of AI. So, um, this is an interesting, this is falls to me in the AI as assistive device option. I've talked with somebody at work who, um, works in Puerto Rico. He, He's like, it's very tiring some days thinking in English all day, and I can use ChatGBT to write some tedious emails I don't need to, um, and then I'll read them and I'll edit them. But sometimes I'm just tired of thinking in English, and I hadn't thought about that use before. Um, This also feels like AI is an assistive. I can't make photos. I can't do Photoshop. Like The thing that hurts my heart here is that this is a game I would proudly tell people to go buy, and they can't. 
And and not just because the artist chose not to, but there is a rule on Steam. Yeah. Uh, you know, Steam has a a rule against AI art in games. You can't sell a game that uses AI art on Steam. And I think they have some good reasons for making that choice. You know, they, Steam has enough of a problem with sort of like, uh, you know, low yeah. effort, uh, like asset flip crap games already. Yeah, and but this feels like. They- the AI art feels like an interim step before hiring someone to create art based on the AI. Like, okay, this is what I'm going for. I need these mm-hmm. types of people. I yeah. need this type of photo. I need to go buy a stock photo of X. I understand that people aren't financially set up for that, but it um, it feels painful that a game with this much thought and work behind it cannot be, the creator cannot be financially compensated because of this choice. Yeah. And I think I understand why they might have made this choice. Personally, I would have preferred that this game have, you know, even just cartoonish illustrations, uh, you know, hire an artist and get this game on Steam. I think I think it I like it might have helped, an, honestly. Yeah, there's a there's an element of this where like, you know, you could look at it and say, wow, there's so much art in this game. Like, how could someone uh, create this as a solo developer. Of course, he had to go to the well of AI art. But there's so much writing in this game, and how right. could someone create that? There's so much logic it's in same this thing. game. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like, is, like there's so much in this easily... game. Yeah. Well, not everybody. You know, you most of the time, people are really good at like one thing, and then mm-hmm. they have to work with a team to create the rest of it, right? But this gives yeah. the the tools of creation to someone who is not able to. Yeah. So personally, like, and it doesn't seem like this is a transitional thing. Like looking at this, this developer said he's, you know, this game is mm-hmm. essentially done. Uh, they're moving on to other work. Um, uh, you know, he's done a, a few different little updates, but the last thing said like, hey, I'm, I'm going to start working on some game jam stuff. Like, you know, yeah. I don't expect to update this for a while. I don't think that like I could totally see a world in which you use AI art as placeholder art and later replace it and, you know, then go wider with this game, put it out on Steam or what have you. And I would love to see them do that. Um, I don't think that's what this developer is intending to do here. Uh, yeah. I think this is sort of this is their image, their their vision for this game is mm-hmm. as it exists, which fair enough. Um but but yeah, like I would have preferred a world in which this developer, you know, reached out to some illustrators or uh, or, you know, whatever it took to create this game in a way that could go on Steam and charge 20 bucks for and maybe have uh, less creepy doll vibes to the children in the game. And, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and yeah. you know, maybe have a, a little bit more of artistic cohesion to it. Like it, it, it has a bit of... Um, like it's not exactly a beautiful game. It's not ugly. It it's workmanlike, and the and the the photorealistic images uh, vary in quality, but are fine. Yeah. Um, but maybe this would have been better with a more like consistent artistic vision and a vibe that was something other than just you know photorealistic. I, I think it it almost assuredly would have been. I mean, when you like art is a part of the package and Mm -hmm. it could have been better in this game. Right. Mm -hmm. So now would it be so materially different that it, it suddenly vaults this game into like next level success? You know, we'll, we'll likely never know. Mm -hmm. Um, I just am. I'm disappointed that it's the distraction. I mean, I think it's really Mm -hmm. important to talk about this but i think most of the i've looked at common threads that about this game that are about ai art and i feel like it's overtaken and overshadowed the the interesting mechanical and narrative things done in the game and i can again i completely understand it it's a hot issue and a lot of people have very personal connections to it but i 
there are other things about this game that are notable. And because of this one decision, that's the conversation for yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a conversation a that needs to happen. And it's a bummer. Is, <laughs> is continues to, yeah, it is a bummer. Yeah. It's a conversation that will continue to happen and needs to happen as we mm -hmm. figure out what do we want from these tools? What will people um, sort of deal with? Especially like AI, AI art right now is kind of bad. You know, like it's funny sometimes yeah. and we all get a kick out of it. And yeah, it's like, oh, show me a real life banana with legs. And you're like, that's fun, you know, but it's mostly stupid. Nine yeah. times out of 10, any AR, AI art is more like, look how silly this is, right? Look how weird and gross this is. It's not really a like, it's not super serviceable just yet, but it will get that way, right? Like the odds of what we're getting out of AI right now being the, like the end game of it is are very low, right? It's just going to keep yeah. getting better and better and better. So I think it is a, a really fair concern for the, uh, the sort of like workman industry of artists, your people working for major corporations that will happily pay an AI rather than a human to produce art for their organization. Mm -hmm. um, and, I think that'll be serviceable, but you know, yeah. somewhat soulless. And that's maybe not a great, direction for us to move in as a society in terms yeah. of like being able to appreciate good art. And it's certainly not good for the artists whose, right. you know, whose bread and butter, uh, might, might kind of vanish. It's yeah. Uh, I, I also uh, think though there's always like, it, it, it's a, it's a complicated conversation because this happens every time the tools of creation become more accessible to people. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I, I was listening to a, episode of um 99% invisible which is a fantastic podcast mm -hmm. uh and it really focused on uh when the ability to record music happened and there was a huge backlash because up until that point if you wanted music at anything at a at a party at mm -hmm. an event whatever you had to literally hire a band there was no way to play music unless you had humans in the room doing it and so when uh, the ability to record music happened, there was a significant backlash about how this is going to ruin music. It's going to kill the music industry because now you can just record it and play it in the room and you don't have to hire a band anymore. And in some ways, it did kill that industry. You no longer had to have humans in the room to play the music. But of course, as we all know now, a hundred something years later, like it was also the start of a whole new industry and a whole new version of of the art. Now this is different because this is actually now a lot taking out the creative process. Like that was expediting the release of the creative process. And that's what most things have been. I can think of like even in the eighties when like arpeggiators and stuff like that started coming out, which were allowing uh, keyboards to do things that like you cannot do with your hands. Um, you know, there were people who were like, this is bad for music. Like we can't automate these things because it's going to kill music. But then it actually led to a, a, a bunch of really cool genres using arpeggiators and whatnot. So there's always these concerns, but I, this one is a little different because it is actually completely possibly removing the human from it. Um, but I also, you just, it's like time and time again, when a new technology comes out, there's a lot of concern about it. And, and fair concern, but like, I think people still want humans in their art. And while I think AI is you going to automate taste is the thing. Yeah. Um, I think it is going to change things. And I do have concerns for the, for 
like the careers of artists. Um, but I think like, I think that, you know, we're already seeing like the writers strike and all that, like mm -hmm. they have managed to, um, like put into contracts how AI will be used, right? So at least right now, the writers, guilds and whatnot are generally protected against uh, major corporations just completely going AI. And and I hope that we're able to do the same with artists so it doesn't just become a whole cloth replacement, but rather it becomes a tool just like any other tool. Like I, I've heard really good use cases for like the hardest thing in art is starting. I've experienced that myself too. And so using AI as just like a jumping off platform, kind of like what you were saying too, like I think that's incredibly intriguing and valuable. Um, if it becomes where it's just the whole thing, I, I've heard theories that there may be a day where all free content is AI driven and then you have to pay for anything made by humans. <laughs> yeah. Like sounds terrible on when I first hear that. Like what if the news, like free news was just a fully AI like 100% AI generated station that you would go to on TV or whatever. Like that all that sounds horrible. Um but then at the flip side, like our current economic system of the internet kind of sucks too, right? Where where everything is presumed to be free. And so everybody has to do all these insane things to try to drive money from people because we just mm -hmm. assume the internet is free. So if content, if, if free content goes downhill, it might drive toward people towards human created products even more because they're actually better. I don't know. I'm kind of rambling at this point. I, it, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where like we could talk for a hundred years yeah. about this and it, it mm -hmm. it's, uh, I am nervous about And AI I will art. not let our AI discussion be longer than the discussion of the game. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Yeah. 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 So it, I'll, I'll just say, in, it, as it relates to this game, I was comfortable playing this game because it is so clearly the work of a human being. The yeah. writing, the development of it, the yeah. incredibly clever puzzles. This was not something that was churned out with chat GPT or whatever. So like, while I have my discomfort with the fact that this used exclusively AI art for its visuals, the visuals were not the focus. And I was comfortable playing this and I'm comfortable recommending it to people, even if they have discomfort with AI art yeah. generally. Um, I may not feel that about future AI art in games. I don't know where this is going. I don't know right. where my feelings on this will go. Maybe in six months, I'll look back on having played this and saying, I say, I can't believe I did the unethical thing of playing this game on the, on the web or whatever. Like, I don't know. Or maybe in a year, we'll all be looking back and say, wow, every indie game uses AI art now. Um, I don't know where this is going. I, I, I hope that it, you know, I, I hope it's going someplace good. Um, but I can say that this game was cool and I liked playing it. And even yeah. the AI art didn't really take me out of it. Uh, I'm really intrigued about the idea of using AI less as art generation, um, but more just as like uh, for creating uh, interesting interactive characters within video games. Like yeah. imagine if you're the character, instead of having a set of preset prompts, it could understand it was actually able to use like language models and you could actually have a full you know, quote unquote, conversation with characters in video games who are running off of the sort of machine learning, which is what we called AI until the last couple of years, um, mm -hmm. like in integrating that into the games, like there's so many use cases for for AI that are not just the replacement of a human, but rather just like, you know, improving the quality of of what we're 
of what we're making. And that's the stuff that I'm super interested in. Um, but hopefully we don't just, it goes in that direction and not mm -hmm. just like the, the soulless, uh, recreation of weird bananas with legs and everything that we look at. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. We are at exactly one hour, and I think we probably uh, don't have enough time to do a true spoiler break section on this episode. But you know what? Maybe it's really not necessary. I think if you want to talk spoilers, if you want hints, or if you want to, uh, or if you just want to talk about the ending of this game, come join us on our Discord. Uh, we have a Root Trees channel that we've been talking about the game for well over a week, and we'll stick it around for a while. So folks have uh, are you know checking out the game. Uh, just to remind folks, you can find this game by searching it for it on Spider Search, and you'll <laughs> most likely land on jjohnstongames.itch.io/slash/the-dash-root-trees-dash-r-dash-dead. Um, as, uh, as Laura and Nate said, this is a game you can play in your browser and works just fine. Uh, if, like me, you're too nervous to use a browser-based game uh, for this sort of sort of thing, uh, again, you can get a Windows executable if you ask pretty please on the Discord of the developer. I don't really know why that's the way that they've chosen to do this rather than just making it available as a download, but probably something wrapped up in their AI thing, etc. Who knows? Anyway, um, both ways seem to be perfectly fine to play this. And again, totally free, a gift to the world from the developer Jay Johnston Games and well worth your time uh, clocking in around six to eight hours, depending on how smart you are. Uh, and let's see, um, you can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm. That's the page where you can find all the links and buttons that go to all the things, including to our Patreon, patreon.com slash the short game. Thank you very much to our new patrons. We've had a few new ones recently. It's always a, a pleasure to see somebody new join the Discord and, and hop on and say hi. Uh, we always love that. Um, and let's see, uh, that's, that page also gives you links to all the places you can find the show on all the different podcast platforms. Have you left a review for this podcast recently? No? Please do that thing. It helps people find the show. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, and don't go start a flame war about AI art in our uh, comments on Apple Podcasts, please. Um, <laughs> Yell at us directly, which yeah, we're going yes. to get names for shortly. <laughs> If you want to come into our Discord and tell us we're all uh, monsters for playing the AI art game, or that you uh, or that you love AI and that it is the best, uh, you can do that on our Discord. Uh, and you have to pay to get in, so there you go. Um, yeah, if I didn't mention, all of our Discord, all of our patrons on Patreon get instant access to our Discord, which is the main community for the show. It's where we talk about games. It's where we talked about Root Tree. The Root Trees are dead. It's where we were essentially bullied into playing The Root Trees Are Dead by our many enthusiastic patrons. Thank you patrons uh bullied is a strong word we i'm were, joking of we course were convinced they, they very suggested easily. it strongly and i would literally never have heard of this game otherwise um so absolutely thank you to everyone who ever suggested anything in the suggest a games channel uh on on our discord Ah, you can find me on the internet at reagan.me. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N dot me. And that's got links to various stuff, including my socials. Um, Laura, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on most channels, Laura J. Nash, uh, but most active on Blue Sky and Mastodon, which is Laura J. Nash at bird.rodeo. And Nate, where can people find you? On most social media at NateSTL. And listeners, once again, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. <laughs>